0: Well, and, and I, I felt that was part of what attracted me to the chaplaincy was that getting to work with people who believe different things and, and learning about them and why you believe those things. And, you know, and I felt very strongly about our first amendment rights to practice our own traditions. Army's got some boundaries that we have to follow, but within those boundaries, you know, I wanted to make sure that those soldiers felt that they had those space to, to practice their spiritual life as, as they could.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 364 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, we're going to head to a, a, the West Texas town of El Paso. You're going to hear that mentioned a couple times in the show. But we're going to be talking to Brian Hall. Brian Hall is with EXP Realty. His team name is the Service First Team. He works uh, a lot with Fort Bliss people coming in and out, the PCS portion of their career where they're being transferred. And I'm really excited to talk to Brian about his career in the Army. It's a little different. It's going to be a a path that I've never had a conversation with someone who took this path before. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get this thing started. Brian, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it and appreciate those kind words. Yeah.
1: Well, look, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, You know, I I mentioned we met through Rate My Agent, which uh, you're a a user of ours and we're very excited to, we'll we'll chat a little bit about that later. Okay. But first of all, like like all my episodes, I want to find out about you. We're going to get to the real estate stuff shortly, but let's, first of all, okay. you're in El Paso and I know that because you're, you do very well in the Rate My Agent Awards in El Paso. Are you a native Texan? Did you grow up, you know, in one, in the largest state in the uh, country?
0: I guess it a little bit depends on your definition of native. Uh, my dad was actually in the Air Force okay. uh, and I was actually born in Riverside, California. Okay. Uh, but I don't ever remember growing up outside of Texas. So he moved, my brother was born in Great Falls, Montana. And then we moved to Abilene, Texas, my mom's hometown. I think I was two. So, but graduated from high school in Abilene, Texas, I Went to college at TCU. After that, and then worked for a few years after college in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So, I basically consider myself a Texan.
1: Yeah, that's. I think you 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 have the right. That's pretty good. Yeah, there's others that it's kind of off. It's a little bit off when they're saying they're a Texan. Like, wait, you got that when you were 22, and I know you're 40, but that doesn't count.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we we welcome other people from other states. I mean, and being in the real estate industry, I see that they come in, and so yeah, we're definitely, but we're. We're definitely proud to be Texans.
1: Yeah, let give me give me the biggest misconception about Texas for those outside of Texas.
0: Well, kind of the lighthearted response is that we do not ride horses to work everywhere in Texas. So, nor do we wear cowboy hats all of the time. So, I do own a pair of boots and I do wear those occasionally. But that's yeah, that's kind of the lighthearted response. I, I do think though one of the major misconceptions is people just don't understand how Big geographically, Texas is. You know, I'll see on, especially with my work with the military, people come to, they get stationed in, you know, El Paso, Texas, and think, oh, you know, my cousin lives in Austin. I'll just run over and see them. That is a nine hour drive from El Paso, relatively at the speed limit. You know, my, my, my uh, dad's family is in Houston, Texas. We made the trek one time from El Paso to Houston. We did that in two days, just because I had little kids. Is you know roughly thirteen hours of driving, and so it's just it's it's a big state with a lot of space between the major cities.
1: Yeah, Texas is filled with sports teams. So I got I, I need some answers from you. You can go whichever way you want sure. with your stuff. Either is it Cowboys or Texans? Is it Rangers yes. or Astros? Is it oh wait, how about Mavs or Rockets? Where are we at, Brian?
0: Well, I'm a little bit of a house divided. Honestly, I, I grew up a Cowboys fan. And then I w- you would, could say I broke up with the Cowboys when Jerry Jones bought the team because mm. I did not like the way he handled the firing of Tom Landry and my you know middle school head of, you know, everything should be, everyone should be treated honestly and fairly all the time and, you know, and live on your pedigree somewhat. And then I became an Oilers fan after that because my dad's family was in Houston. So, you know, I got to watch all the Cowboys enjoy their Super Bowls of the 90s. But now I've married into a Cowboys family. My wife's family is from Dallas. She has raised my boys, you might say, to be Cowboys fans. So we're definitely Cowboys fans in this house now, especially since there's, the Oilers no longer exist in that in that form. Right. Um, but huge Rangers fan growing up. I Since having kids, just haven't had the time to follow them as I used to. I was also a Rockets fan for a long time. But again, just my wife's is a huge they're 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 all Dallas sports yeah. fans so okay. sports fans as well so yeah. we're mostly we're mostly the uh, Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex sports fans I should, all right. should say
1: so. uh, that's fair that's fair you you uh, you actually attended university in that part of the country fort worth i think I right is where tcu's located
0: correct yes so
1: yes so what was what was your plan what was the what was your field of study what were you going to be doing after school i'm just assuming real estate wasn't even a blip on the radar and no, it was not. <laughs> okay and then yeah, i so- do I do want to know what a horned frog is too. You have to answer that question.
0: Okay. So that's a a multi-part question.
1: Yes. Yes. I'll leave it to you.
0: The, the short, I'll start with the the last question first, a horn, a horned frog also known as a horned toad or a horned lizard. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a specific species of lizard that's kind of native to the Southwest desert climates. I remember seeing them a lot when I was a kid. I grew up in Abilene, Texas, so about 150 miles west of TCU down the interstate. saw a lot of horned frogs growing, horned toads, I think as we called them then, yeah. it, growing up. And, and then, yeah, so I went to you know, graduate from high school. I was kind of a math science guy in high school. I said, Brian, you should be an engineer. That lasted about three semesters, and it was just you know, not exciting enough for me. Uh, But I couldn't, like a lot of kids that age, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I'd already planned to take a lot of math classes as an engineer. So I just ended up getting a math degree. However, I also minored in computer science. Hmm. And this was right. Late 90s dot com bubble was, was happening. And so, you know, computer jobs were quite prevalent. I did work for an insurance company for about six months after college. Again, not didn't really enjoy that. And then went and got ended up coming with one of my classmates from TCU work with her, uh, doing it work at a publishing company there in Fort Worth. And I, I was there for, that was the, the first, I would say my first career before yeah. the army. Did.
1: I'd love to see how uh, the army comes into play because here we are, you know, right. it's, you're probably, I'm going to guess you're in your late twenties and yeah, as and I would think most, most recruits. Yeah, around in, 30, okay. Around 30. Yeah. Okay. So most recruits yeah. in the army are, I would guess a little bit younger than that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. you know, I was working for this company. loved that I love the people I work with. They we were owned by a much larger corporation, and they were just making some changes as larger corporations do to try to make more efficiencies. And I could just see, like you know, kind of the writing on the wall. Anyway, so it was just I could the culture was changing, and I was in a again probably the old, you know spot in my life. I was single, looking for something a little more meaningful, you might say. This was, you know, kind of put in history, this is the global war on terror. You know, 9-11 had happened. This was the early, you know, probably mid to late aughts around 07. So the the war was hot and heavy in Iraq and Afghanistan at that point. And I just, you know, I had some buddies who, like, we all kind of, when 9-11 happened, really, as just about everybody in the whole country, really sent some shockwaves and then really did some soul searching about what's important and i had never really acted on that but kind of reaching a point in my life i reconnected with a friend of mine from tcu who was in ministry and we just got to be you know really close friends and i kind of you know was a little bit of envying of her uh, her job of of being in ministry working with spiritual spiritual ideas something more meaningful than you know helping a a corporation increase their bottom line. right? And so anyway, so that was kind of, I I did some, some soul searching for lack of a better term. And she really challenged me to really like, you know, what, you know, as someone, a person of faith, as I was, I was raised in church really just, you know, you, she's like, you know, I, I know you'd say you're doing good things. I mean, it's not like I was doing criminal activity, of course, or anything like that, but it was, you know, what is it, what's meaningful and what, what should you be doing? I spent a day like in the park, just really praying and meditating about what is, is right for me right now, career wise. And, you know, the answer I got was that not this, but I didn't know what exactly was next. And then it was a couple of days later, I heard a talk by a retired chaplain from my church and he was talking not specifically about the chaplaincy, but he did relate some stories of when he had been deployed to Panama back in the early eighties and just in those harshest of moments, still finding spirituality and being able to share that with his soldiers and help them find meaning and and, in the Christian definition of salvation as well. And so that just really spoke to me at that. And, And, you know, I, like I said, so then I went back single guy, went back, talked to mom Mom was the spiritual sort of head of my family. and she's like, brian, if if this is something that you're considering, you're, the church has reopened it, the chaplain training program. And if you are considering something like this, this is the time in your life to do it. You know, you, you don't have any immediate family ties and, and you know, and so it was pretty much right then I made that decision to quit my corporate job. Sold my house. And then the the church did require, or actually the Department of Defense requires a master's degree to be a chaplain. And so I had to go to, I didn't have that master's degree. So that was my first step was to go to school for three years, get a full full time up in Boston, Massachusetts. My church is headquartered in Boston. So in addition to the academic training, they provided some auxiliary chaplain training at the church itself.
1: And then how long were you uh, active?
0: I was active for about seven ish years, okay. a little over seven. So I left active duty in the summer. My final out date was like the end of September of 2018. Okay, I then moved over. I transitioned over the reserves because I did, did enjoy serving. I did like my job mm-hmm. and I drilled for a couple of, about a, almost two years uh, in the reserves. And then real estate, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately got too busy. Right, And we know a lot of real estate happens on the weekends. So it's really hard as you're build, you know, to, to say one weekend of a month, I'm not available kind of thing. And no. so, and then there's definitely a little bit of, a of it was for me personally, it was a split mindset of, you know, trying to be this spiritual leader, what that, the, what the unit needed and then doing also real estate as well. It just, it was, so the bottom line is I couldn't give the reserves what it needed at that point. I didn't feel like I was honoring the job. And so instead of getting all the way out of the The reserves. I moved over into inactive state, or the IRR, as we call it. Okay. Uh, So technically, I'm administratively still in, but that's there's nothing. I'm not doing anything. So there's, I mean, there's the potential that I could be recalled if if the country needs me, and that's part of why, you know, I you know, the U.S. gets invaded, you know, they could call me up, and you know, I could go off and be a chaplain again for the for the army if they need me.
1: My my guess is you're still in your role as a realtor, especially with all the stuff you do with Fort Bliss and all that other stuff, you're still helping out quite a bit with, with, with all of that training you received.
0: Yeah. It's, I had some clients that we kinda my wife and I, my wife and I work together as a team on our, on our, in our real estate business. And so there's many times where husband and wife client get to know us as husband and wife, in addition to just realtor. And so there was a this particular couple we I felt like we'd gotten to be friends with and we've seen each other socially since they bought their house here but they were building a house and having some really major frustrations with the builder and so we had a call myself and this the husband and wife client she is a the wife is an army psychiatrist and anyway so she they were just kind of just venting for lack of a better term like all of the challenges they're having with this builder and I just, you know, and I sat there and listened and, and then the husband, and, was, and like, kind of we wrapping up the conversation and, and the husband was like, Brian, have you ever considered a con- career in the, in the mental health field? You're such a good listener. And I was like, Joey, you, do you remember like we, I'm an army chaplain. He's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so there are times where I do get to use those skills.
1: That's awesome. I, I've never, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm in my sixties. I've never talked to a chaplain before. I would, I want to ask a couple of questions just about that side of of your life. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. And, and this is, this is the, you know, I just think of mash when I think of a chaplain because there was, (laughs) (laughs) right. I mean, and that's in a, a a real, in really a tough situation deployed in, in a, in, you know, we're at war in that movie or that series, but for you talk, talk a little bit about you. I'm sure you were deployed overseas. You had units that you had to help and you helped. I imagine you help in a lot of different ways. One of them you said is listening, right? But there've got to be some other things that you're really structured to, to, to help those soldiers with.
0: Yeah. So one of our kind of main sort of shorthand guiding principles as a chaplain is to perform or provide. So my job is for my Christian soldiers, especially the Protestants, like I could perform worship, rites, et cetera, for them. I'm not Catholic. I'm not a Catholic priest. So because of the way that faith works traditionally, like I can't perform their sacraments, you know, for okay. them, their Eucharist. And so what I did when we were deployed, we were we went to Turkey for about a year. Right when the Syrian civil war kicked off over there, I was with a Patriot missile battalion and we were sent over there to provide, basically play defense. And so fortunately we were close enough to a regular, U.S. Air Force installation over in Incirlik, Turkey, and they had a Catholic priest over there who was a chaplain. So again, my job was then, and I made arrangements for him to come over about once a month mm-hmm. to do Catholic worship for my Catholic soldiers. And And then that particular unit, I also had a Buddhist soldier. So he, meditation is very important to, to, those, to that tradition. And so one of the nice things of one of the perks about being a chaplain is you always you typically always have your own office space because of we need to have confidential space to have counseling in right. and so so i had an office and i made that office available to him so he could have that private time to meditate when he needed to so that was my way of providing a space for him as well so and then the other the other thing that i always really try to do especially on deployment was the American holiday of Thanksgiving is is important because gratitude and expressions of gratitude are, are fairly universal across the traditions. Right, And so that particular deployment, I also had a Muslim soldier. And so we had Christian, Muslim, and Buddhism represented in that. And I did a, a, a gratitude Thanksgiving service. And I, I always tried to do that when I was deployed to, uh, again, I, I found gra- the expressions of gratitude was always a way to uplift mm-hmm. and kind of move from the, as we say in the army, the suck uh, that's going on. Yeah, you know, we're away from our our families, eating food that we would rather not be eating, and let's let's find something that we can be grateful for.
1: Wow, I I love your use of the word traditions. I think that's uh, fantastic. So just a different way of looking at. Everyone has sure. a different. It comes from a different place, right? Yeah.
0: Well, and, and I, I, felt that was part of what attracted me to the chaplaincy was mm-hmm. that getting to work with people who believe different things and, and learning about them and why you believe those things. And, you know, and I felt very strongly about our first amendment rights to practice our own traditions. Army's got some boundaries that we have to follow, but within those boundaries, you know, I wanted to make sure that those soldiers felt that they had those space to, to practice their spiritual life as, as they could.
1: Yeah. Well, as I said a little bit earlier, I really, I think those skills you picked up, you know, in your time in the army, absolutely dovetails directly into the world of real estate. I mean, you're constantly, uh, <laughs> you're, you're helping people, you help, you're, you're teaching them, you're solving problems for them, you're consoling them. <laughs> There's lots of things I feel that, that work very well for you. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: and yeah, the the last, especially the last couple of years of the COVID market, we definitely (laughs) had some counseling that we had, you know, consoling for, especially for buyers who were losing out on multiple offers all the time. Yeah. We definitely had some, some, some challenges we had to work through. Right. So,
1: active duty, you, you were, you were stationed at Fort Bliss. I'm just guessing that we got, that's what got you to El Paso. So, But you know, when you when you went reserve, you could have lived anywhere, right? You didn't have to l- but, choose El Paso.
0: But yeah, so why El Paso? It's I think a lot of it has to do with the impression El Paso made on my family when we came in to El Paso. We, you know, we were this was pre-COVID, so we had a chance to come down, and we're coming from Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So we we're close enough that we could come down, came down over spring break to report in July to just kind of look around and figure out, you know, this West Texas town of El Paso as mm-hmm. Marty Robbins likes to call it. So <laughs> it was, yeah. And so when we got here, my middle son, who uh, is now eight, was four months old. Wow. And so he just, he he was this blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid, uh, baby, and just... Everyone like, we went to the restaurants. The waitresses were just kind of gaga over him, and just really warm to us as a, as a family. And and then there was there's a vineyard not too far. It's actually just across the state line in New Mexico. We were my wife and I were there, just listened to some music, just kind of chatted up somebody next to us, and told them we we're with the army coming to El Paso. Next thing you know, they bought us a bottle of wine, said welcome to El Paso. We're glad you're here, and so that and that sort of welcoming has just kind of kept on. That's so that that was one of the reasons that we decided to stay. We also, when we came in, we ended up we bought a house with the idea, what a lot of military do, they'll, they'll buy a house and then they rent it out, kind of as investment for later on during retirement. But so we already owned our house, and then the other thing that really kind of I think was a factor was the school systems. We are we're in so there's four four major school districts. There's several other ancillary school districts around and in, in El Paso city limits. The district where all these four major districts they provide dual language education free of charge. And so my son, who's now in sixth grade, has had Spanish half the day in Spanish every day. Wow. For his whole his whole career. That's awesome. And so yep. And so I've got three boys: sixth grader, third grader, first grader, and they've all been in the dual language program. And it's just been it's it's awesome. My sixth grader. Basically, functions our, as our translator when we need it. Went to one of our favorite restaurants. They'd swapped out the wait staff and I think they'd moved all of their English feature speaker speakers to their new location. And so we were a little stuck. But my my sixth grader, I think he was he was fifth grade at that point, just without missing a beat, able to order all our food, ask for the kids' stuff to come out early, which is our you know our normal way of, to get the kids happy. And so he just <laughs> and it was without missing a beat in Spanish all of that. And so yeah. I was just. And my wife and I just looked at each other like we're just really grateful for that that free education, uh, that free aspect of the, of the education that we're getting here. Yeah. So that was those were our, our our big reasons.
1: I'll wrap up this portion of the the episode with, I want to talk a little bit about the PCS Pay It Forward program, as something sure. that you're involved in. I and yeah. I would imagine, with as a realtor next to a, an army base, you're definitely you're you're the one. Regardless of what sort of certification you get from NAR or whatever, when you've lived it, it's a lot different than just taking a class,
0: right? It it Definitely so. Yeah. Yeah. So PCS Path Forward is an organization that was started by Lauren Taylor, military spouse out in San Diego. And then she kind of, this was her brainchild. Hmm. And it's really, you know, the medium that she chose was Facebook to kind of reach service members. But it's got three main goals. In the in, At least in the Army, they have what's called a, the sponsor program. It's supposed to like, hey, I'm coming to your unit. Okay, we assign you someone of equivalent rank to kind of help you with that transition to get from your current duty station to your new one, which is us. And, you know, it's you can imagine if you assign that to a single 22 year old, how much. Really, are you help? Are you going to get? And no offense to single twenty-two year olds. I was one at one point. I I think I've joked about this with with the Pay It Forward group that if that program was really doing its real job, we we wouldn't be necessary. But so, but it's a challenge just because you know everyone's got their own day job in the military. Besides trying to help this person I've never met before, kind of thing. And so, so so that's that's our goal to provide this smooth transition. You know to, to get you into a home, you know, whether it's living on, on post, renting off post or buying a house, you know, in the local community, that's the goal is to get you into a house until, and then kind of ancillary to that is to then eliminate the need for any kind of temporary housing as much as possible. Gotcha. I mean, you know, we, during COVID when builders were getting delayed all the time, it was kind of hard to avoid that. And so we had a lot of People saying the Airbnbs, but as much as we can to start that process sooner rather than later. You know, I just closed with some clients, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had an Airbnb for about a week. And that was and that's kind of a that's actually not typical for my buyers. Usually we have them start soon enough so that they can either show up and close or close before they even get here kind right. of thing. And they're ready to ready to just move right in. Uh, same thing with our renters. Um, try to get them plugged into the to the local property managers and get them video tours and and hopefully signing a lease before they spend a long time, you know, here in El Paso looking for that. Right. And then the, the third goal that we have is to, you know, make, to educate and um, potential renters to avoid rental scams. And there was an article a couple years ago, how many thousands of of dollars have been scammed out of service members for sending the deposits and then find out that it, that whoever they sent that money to has nothing to do with that property and able to rent it. so we really try to, to, you know, use verified rental listings. Fortunately, El Paso, there's a lot of listings in the multiple listing service for rentals, the MLS. I know there are some military installations, those local MLSs don't have many at all at least in El Paso, we had that. So those are all very, those are listings. You have to be a, a member of the association through a brokerage. So those are gonna be legitimate listings. Right. Um, and then, you know, people will send me stuff on Zillow and it's like for rent by owner. And I'm like, proceed with caution, yeah. you know, yeah. like you like these are some questions that you need to ask and, and make sure, but, you know, so I always try as best I can to help those potential renters as well. Get them those verified rental listings, and then try to put them in contact with the actual listing agents to get those leases signed for those those. i going
1: to say that that's good knowledge for everyone in the country who's an agent. <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely know, yeah. I mean, we all have to you all have to be watching. Yeah. It. So, you, Brian, you 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 get to real estate around 2018, roughly 2018 2019, and you you start with Century 21, but uh, just mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, you make the switch over to EXP. I did. Uh, yeah. And what was the rationale there for that move?
0: Sure. So my business coach had been with the XP and, and just kind of, you know, very gently recruiting me over that time period. And, yeah. and, you know, I, but I was very happy at Twenty One. I, I, my first broker, you know, and, and I, I look back like that is where I needed to start my real estate career. That's because he gave me what I needed yep. uh, to begin my career. I'm, I'm definitely a rule follower and like to understand the why behind things. And he was very good about educating us on on, you know, just being good with understanding contracts, understanding laws and rules and things like that, just to keep us out of trouble. Yeah. And and, you know, and I still see him around the association and, and still actually refer him for people who want to rent their houses out to to go rent them out through that office. And so but but I just I felt that I was get I would get more as far as team building. I have a small team, as well as just the the higher level training that's available through EXP being a national company. You just have the access to a lot of high level realtors that are doing big things. If that's what you want to do, and 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 so that was just like I said, she had been just kind of gently presenting that, and kind of then at one point basically kind of gave me an offer I couldn't refuse uh, to help me. <laughs> And so, so that was, that was when I pulled the trigger finally. Um, and it was, it, it was, it was a happy and a sad day. Honestly, my, my oldest son actually cried when oh. I told him I was leaving. at century 21, which shocked me and Elizabeth, my wife, that he had that much attachment to that office. I mean, Elizabeth and I also shed some tears as well, because uh, like I said, we really liked being there, but it was what we needed to do. Yeah. So anyways, it was, it was, like I said, it was a happy and a sad transition, but one that I've I've definitely appreciated and, and enjoyed.
1: I I would imagine that in, in cuz El Paso is much bigger than I thought. What's the population of El Paso? Rough? I think you had have...
0: Somewhere like 700,000 plus or minus. Big. Um, it's a big city. <laughs> yeah. it, it is a big city. It's yeah. not yeah. the town them yeah. El Paso. Okay. You know, kind of anymore.
1: So, your your breakdown of your work, right? If I was to look at your transactions in a given year, what percentage mm-hmm. of it is helping inbound and outbound pcs you know military taking care mm. of things versus uh, your local community where you know we all know real estate's local
0: it's definitely lopsided I, you know i'd say 90 95 plus percent of my stuff is is military okay and then you know i and that which is good because being kind of a transplant into the city i didn't have much of a sphere of influence as we talk about in the real estate industry you know right. so i do you know it's not like i'm not going to help my civilian friends from El Paso, just that that net does not pull back much, as you know, and as we've, but that 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 net is getting wider as we spend more time here.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, as the kids so, get older and you meet more people, yeah, I mean that's all. Part yeah, more we're
0: involved in more organizations. Yeah. you know that's you know I, so we were at a daycare here for seven years, and you know I was on that board, and you know this is not why I was on the board, but just as real estate goes, you know. I was able to do a couple of transactions through those contacts that I met there. And so yeah, absolutely it helped the civilian population. But my bread and butter is military and VA buyers. So
1: Gotcha. And and I would imagine even in that space, it's heavily referral relationship based. Is that true?
0: I, I do, yeah. So one of the neat things about the PCS pay it forward organization is our title is ambassador. And so there's an ambassador for each military, you know, just about every DOD installation. Some of that, there's some smaller ones, either air force or coast guard, some that that don't necessarily have a full-time ambassador, but yeah, definitely, you know, I have a lot of traffic going between Fort, Hood, which is now Fort Cavallos, has been renamed after many years, which is hard for us in the army to make that name change. Sure. But yeah, so as an example, or Fort Bragg, which is now Fort Liberty, there's a lot of traffic between Fort Bliss and, and there. So yeah, so so we do have that network that established for easy, hey, hey, I know somebody. Like I physically shaken their hands and right. we've sat in a room and brainstormed ideas together and we see each other every week on a Zoom call kind of thing. So it is nice to have that. Um, Built-in network uh, to be able to to refer people back and forth,
1: and we got to talk a little bit about Rate My Agent because you sure. do very well with your review strategy. I mean, you rank very high in Rate My Agent in in EXP in Texas. You, you dominate El Paso, so you're using you know talk about how you're using that tool because I think it's you're just kind of you're reaffirming it into that your core group you know, how valuable you can be how, how, how you, what sort of experience you can provide.
0: Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely standard, standard practice that once a transaction is closed, you know, depending on the timing. So I have buyers, you know, I just had some buyers, they closed early July, they were coming from Germany, but because if they were in Germany for so long, they hadn't been to the U S to see their family. So they were going to take they were going to get back to the U.S. and then take like 30 days of leave to go see their family and then come to El Paso. So they didn't actually get to their house until the first week of September. I find it awkward to request review. How did I do helping you buy your new house when you haven't even seen said house yet?
1: That's a good call. So,
0: we a, so, yeah. So I know, you know, I know Rate My Agent has a feature to automatically request that review when you close mm-hmm. it out, at least in EXP, using our, our compliance system, SkySlope um uh, i don't have that feature turned on for that reason um so it's a bit more manual i have some um international assistance that will help kind of when the time is right send that review request and but everyone gets a review just about there's been some you know maybe one or just you know we landed but it was a very rough landing you know to to use the airplane metaphor there sure. and so it maybe you know it, it didn't make sense to how'd I do, you know, kind of thing. And so, so, but I even had some rough transactions where I I was, I was shocked of how nicely they spoke of me, honestly, because I, you know, in my, in my head, I mean, look, it wasn't my fault. There was, you know, I had a buyer one time that they discovered mold as on, when they moved in Okay, that was not disclosed and they were obviously upset and, they were, however, able to delineate between my performance and and the seller's, you know, indiscretion there, which I, right. you know, I definitely appreciated. Yeah. And then reading that review, knowing the emotional turmoil, just made it even that much more meaningful to me that they could have, you know, they could have trashed me there for not, you know, finding, you know, n- not doing everything I could have to, to find this problem beforehand, you know, kind right. of thing. And so, right. so I definitely appreciated that that was that's one of the reviews that that kind of stick out in my head as one of my favorites.
1: That's awesome,
0: um, so anyway, so yeah, so everyone gets a review, and you know we have the automated follow up. We almost always try to to email and text them to to remind them of that. And, and then, depending on you know if if we're not getting a response, we do a lot of communication with our clients through Facebook Messenger just because that's where a lot of the the leads originate is through Facebook. and so we may follow up hey just. Just a friendly reminder, if you could, you know, kind of thing, try to get that, yeah. get that review where we can.
1: Nice. You know, you, you're a, you're very techie. So that helps a lot, I think, with a lot of the stuff you're doing. I, and I'm always curious when I talk to someone who's tech savvy, what, and it doesn't have to be a, an extravagantly long list, but what does your tech stack look like? Yeah. Your CRM, you know, we yeah. know you, with the XP, maybe you're using their tools. Some people do, some people don't. I'm curious.
0: So for my CRM, I use Follow Up Boss. Okay. That's my primary one. However, I still kind of use KB Core, which is provided through EXP mm-hmm. for one of the reasons it has a natural IDX integration at ah. KB Core, which follow up boss does not. And so, but I have then on the back end, I have Zapier linking them too. Nice. So if someone comes in through KB core, they get dumped over to, to follow up boss automatically. Nice. Uh, and so then I also do a little bit of constant contact for like my you know, email marketing. I have a TC that they use A-Frame for their Mm -hmm. transaction management system, which then I have access to that when I need it. And so those are my kind of my big ones. I also have again I have a an app, a real estate app provided by Homestack. So it's like the service first, my, my team is named the service first team. Mm-hmm. And so we have an actual, like, you can go to like the, the Google play store or the iTunes or the apps, Apple app store and download the service first team app, which then basically the goal is to, to, to keep them in that environment and not go off looking at other, those other websites and click the wrong thing and some other agent. Contacts them to kind of help them out, kind of
1: things. So. Yeah, it's a it's a full IDX solution. It's got everything it in there. They can search for everything, yep. save stuff. You can Absolutely. see what they're doing. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, home Yeah, it is. I love and, that. You yeah. Know. Brian, I've I've taken more of your time than I was supposed to, so I'm going to wrap this up. With the final, same final question that I've asked to every guest: What one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started?
0: Find a mentor and a coach that will open their playbook to you sometimes. And, and that's what my coach did is open her playbook and, and really it it literally changed my life. And so find those successful people who, you know, will it cost you? Yes. But then, and then, and then you got to go do the work that, they, that yep. they tell you to do. And so that, that would be my number one piece of advice. Awesome.
1: Brian, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: I mean, I, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of Brian Halls out there, but I'm the one in El Paso, Texas. All right. So yeah, that's that's definitely you know, hit me up on on a uh, Facebook Messenger or or you know, come by the business page. Service first team. Yeah. I'm pretty. Good. I, th- I feel like I'm pretty easy to find on the socials. So
1: well, I'll get those links from you, and I'll put them in the show yep. notes, so everybody yep. listening can just quickly click on those links down below. Brian, this has been fantastic. Thank you for your time today. Well, obviously, I am going to be uh, remiss if I don't say this. Thank you so much for your service. I think that that specific department of the of the armed forces is not highlighted very much, and I'm glad we had a little opportunity to chat about that today and, and help yeah. and let, let a few pe- few more people know about how important that it role. Was really,
0: yeah, was. I mean, honestly, even growing up in my church and near, I grew up near Dias Air Force Base. I didn't know there was such things as military chaplains until not too long before I decided to be one. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not something that, that you hear about a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time and we will, we'll chat soon. I'm sure I'll see you maybe in October of 2023. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'll see you by the booth again. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. Take care, Bill. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.